Welcome to Life is Best When. I'm Dave Allen, and this is the place to be encouraged with spirit, story, and some humor. So the last time I saw empty shelves in a grocery store was around the year 2000 when I was in Belarus. The Soviet Union had collapsed a few years before and capitalism was having a rough time getting started in a former communist country. I saw empty shelves and I saw egg shortages, dark restaurants because of electricity shortages, and I never thought I'd see any of that again in my lifetime. Then came March 2020 and COVID-19, and the essentials were wiped out at the grocery store. Governors were deciding what workers were essential and non-essential. Banks were choosing which small businesses were essential enough to pass on federal money. And grocery stores were deciding what items could have a limit of two and no more. Didn't take long for the panic to catch fire. And now consumers were deciding by their purchases what is essential when our lives are being threatened by a virus. I was surprised, and maybe you were too, that the consuming public decided that the most valuable possession to secure was toilet paper. Beans, always a surplus. But overnight, toilet paper became a coveted commodity. More valuable than a bottle of wine, a gallon of ice cream, or a savory steak. Those you could always find, but the paper aisle was a ghost town. Ironically, in my first week of shelter in place, and as I was trying to find things to do, like read a book, I stumbled across a book I got as a gift. It was a coffee table type book of useless but interesting information. And the front cover, right in the middle, has this question, what did we use before toilet paper? And since the paper aisles were still empty, that story became essential reading for me. And I discovered that technically, toilet paper was not invented until 1857. Before that, the Romans used a sponge on the end of a stick. The Vikings used discarded wool. The Eskimos used moss and water. And the French royalty used lace. The British lords and ladies used pages from old books. And that's why the old farmer's almanac was printed with a hole in the top corner of every page so it could hang on a nail when the year was over in the outhouse. So glad I was born after 1857. Who knew in March of 2020 that toilet paper as a commodity would rise to such an elevated status? It was like the gold rush for a good flush. Well, looking back, I am fascinated how this crisis unveiled what we consider essential. Our healthcare workers were always essential, but now they're getting the recognition they've always deserved. I thank my grocery store workers every chance I get because they have become essential. One of the blessings of difficult times is their ability to force us to scale back, to slow down, and to rediscover what is truly essential. What are your essentials? We say our health is essential. Well, we say at least you have your health. Have you heard that before? Some people spend a lot of time 
tending to the status of their bodies, eating right and exercising. And I've tended to my body. I've tended to my body a little bit too much. I gained six pounds during my shelter in place. It's more like feeding my face instead of sheltering in place. I need, I know, I know, I need to get on my bike more. Tending to our health. That's up there near the top of the essentials. Then there's the mind. What we know, what we think. Tending to our mind. We've heard the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And we have at our fingertips more information and knowledge than ever before. We can learn just about anything from YouTube or TV. I've watched so many shows on living in Alaska, I'm certain I could start my own colony from scratch above the Arctic Circle. I think all I need is an axe and a freezer full of moose. That's all I need. We invest a lot of attention and time and money enriching our bodies and our minds. But we are so much more than just a body and a mind. We are more than a physical and intellectual container. In Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11, in the Bible we read, God has set eternity in the human heart. And that means that we're more than a body and a mind. We are spirit. We are hardwired for eternity as spiritual people. And so your spiritual well-being is an essential, as much as even more so than your physical and intellectual well-being. It's fundamental to who you are, and it needs your attention. Jesus knew that. He talked about it all the time. Once there was a crowd of people following him who found themselves hungry and too far from the villages to get food. And after Jesus feeds them with a miracle, he turns to them and says, I am the bread of life. Now, what does he mean? Well, just like bread is essential for your physical life, I am essential for your spiritual life. That's what he means when he says, I am the bread of life. You know, there's a lot of things we think are essential to living a satisfied life that really aren't essential. And we find that out when a crisis strips us of them. That's when we know what is really essential. A Washington Post columnist named Mark Thiessen, very outspoken in his politics, discovered that his 91-year-old mother was diagnosed with COVID-19. He hesitated mentioning his grief and his concern on social media. His posts were mostly political. He wasn't used to sharing like private or personal moments. But because he was tending to his spiritual life, and at his wife's urging, he tweeted this. My 91-year-old mom's in the hospital in New York with COVID-19. I'd be grateful for your prayers for her. And then he hit send. In his words, that's when the spiritual floodgates opened. According to Twitter's analytics, 2.6 million people saw his tweet and more than 254,000 engaged with it, reading it, liking it, responding to it, sharing with others. And of course, there were some that were just mean and saying things like, you know, this is what you get for your politics. But he said those comments were few and far between. Then he said, there's no analytic to show how many people stopped to pray, but even if a fraction did, then my family has been blessed beyond measure. As a teenager, his mother fought 
with the Polish underground against the Nazis during the 1944 Warsaw Uprising. Somehow, through social media, word of her illness traveled across the Atlantic, and the Museum of the Warsaw Uprising tweeted, A hero of the Warsaw Uprising, we're thinking of you and hoping for your speedy recovery. Suddenly, Polish Twitter swung into action as prayers poured in from the Polish people everywhere. Spiritual bread is essential to life for the here and the now. And Jesus went on to say that he is the bread sent from heaven in John 6, 51. And this is one of the many points at which Jesus is unique when we compare him to other religious figures. He said he's the bread sent from heaven. What's he saying? God sent him from heaven as the spiritual bread of life. So this bread is not man-made. It wasn't sourced here. It was sourced in heaven. There are many people out there podcasting and preaching and writing books telling us how to be a more spiritual person. And they give techniques and secrets and mindfulness and whole elaborate religious systems. But all of them are designed and devised by men and women. But here Jesus said the bread that he offers isn't man-made. It comes from God in heaven to humanity on earth, through him. So he's more than a carpenter. He's more than a religious teacher. He's claiming to be a revealer. Now, what gives him the right to say that? He argued with the religious establishment on this very question. And he said in John 7, 29, I know God because I am from him and he sent me. Bold claims, right? Incredibly bold. But if it's true, then of course he knows how to know God and, and how to know him personally. And that's why he is essential to our spiritual well-being, our spiritual life, the bread of life. Because if I lose everything, but I know God personally, that's the only essential I need. Like swallowing food to survive and thrive physically, following Jesus is the essential to surviving and thriving spiritually, body, mind, and spirit. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Honestly, this has been the biggest adventure of my life, learning from him, learning to understand myself and my life and my career and my kids, my money, my friendships learning from him how to view all of that, how to see all of that in the view of God's love, following his principles for living life at its best. My closest friends know this, and, and now you will too, that at any meal, I'm the bread guy. I'm the guy at the table watching and counting for the exact moment when each person gets one bread roll. As soon as the last person picks it up, I'm legally allowed to grab a second. Those are the restaurant rules, and I don't hesitate. 
I can ignore the entire conversation waiting for that moment to legally grab my second role. And then I keep watching because when another person grabs a second role, I'm allowed a third. Because you see, my statistics show that rarely more than one other person is going to grab a second role. So I'm on it with my third. I know that's pretty embarrassing, but that's just the way I roll. I promise to edit that out. That's really bad. If my wife has half a roll asleep on her tiny plate for too long, it's mine. And she knows it. She just shoves it over to me quietly because she doesn't want to draw attention to her husband who already has three rolls. That's all I can focus on. When's the bread coming? Why is the bread plate empty? Is that our bread? That's not our bread. Here's my question. How focused are you on your spiritual bread? What do your shelves look like? Are they empty? Are they full? Are you stocked with the essentials? I want to encourage you to consider learning from Jesus. Now, I quoted from the gospel according to John uh, a few times already today. I want to encourage you to pick it up and read some of it. It's a start to learn about him so that you can learn from him. Or check out my website at lifeisbestwhen.com and you can sign up for my next step personal guide. It's another great place to start on this topic. If you're interested in more, I just sign up for my deep dive study guide. And of course, you're always welcome to just sign up to receive this weekly podcast or post in your email. I encourage you to do that so you can stay stocked up on your spiritual bread. Well, all this talk about bread is making me hungry. I think there's some cinnamon raisin bread somewhere around here. So thanks again for joining me at Life is Best When. I'm Dave Allum. And remember, life is best when your shelves are full of the bread of life.